Exodus chapter 14, and we're starting at verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Kat, thank you for reading that passage to us. If love makes the world go round then our desire to be free must come a close second. We long for liberty. Here's a well-known singer. I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied. I don't need you. I've got to break free. Or a famous politician. When we let freedom ring... From every state and every city, we will be able to join hands and sing, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. The drive to be free and to free others has led people to amazing acts of bravery and endurance and sacrifice. Just think of a Nelson Mandela and all that he went through. And freedom is something to be enjoyed. Like, no one ever says, I'm suffering from freedom. 
No, we enjoy freedom, or we want to enjoy freedom, whether it's freedom of speech or freedom to spend a Saturday morning doing what we'd like with no pressing commitments. Let freedom reign, as Martin Luther King declared. And yet, what's the way to freedom? For some of you this morning, it's coming to university. Oxford is freedom to explore your subject, to make new friends, to redefine yourself from parents and community and traditions. For some, it's bigger than that. It's ending political oppression or economic freedom. But what? Free trade? Free enterprise? Or as one revolutionary put it, freedom in a capitalist society always remains the same. Freedom for slave owners. Or for others, the way to freedom is to remove all rules and restrictions. And can we free ourselves? If we can't agree on the way, do we have the resources to liberate ourselves? Well, according to one popular writer, we do. Self-reliance is the only way to true freedom, and being one's own person is its ultimate reward. The message of Christianity is good news about freedom. Now that may surprise you. For some people, Christianity is all about rules. Don't do this, don't do that. It's all about control and oppression. And Christians have been guilty of suppressing freedoms throughout history and around the world. And yet what has motivated many people to work for political or economic or social freedom has been the Bible's message and their faith in God. There's a, this morning, there's a freedom God offers to us. God can enable you to enjoy true freedom, a freedom he alone can give. As we look at this famous story of the crossing of the Red Sea, we see God's way to freedom and the three things we need to enjoy, in order to enjoy it. You need to experience God's deliverance, see God's victory, and sing God's song. The story so far. During the Passover night, God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they began their journey to the land God promised to them. Now imagine it's a day later, and we're in the royal palace. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is not happy. Where is my cup of tea? He shouts. How am I meant to start my day without a cup of tea? And he marches to his bedroom door and he shouts out, Where's Benjamin? Some brave soul answers, He's left. What? Sir, you let him go when you let all the Israelites go. Well, Pharaoh's mood has improved a little bit by breakfast. But then the Labour Department minister and the Home Affairs minister enter. What do you two want? Sir, what's our new Labour policy? Well, why do we need one? Sir, we don't have any more Israelite slaves. 
And so our immigration controls say that the border can't cope. The Israelites are pouring through. What? What idiot allowed them to go? Awkward silence. Right, get the defense minister on the phone now. And Pharaoh quickly mobilizes his entire Egyptian army, and they rush out into the desert after them. Which way did the Israelites go? He wants to know. And then Pharaoh can't believe his luck. His intelligence reports tell him that they didn't take the shore road up the coast. Oh, no. They went south into the desert. And more than that, they've started to turn back on themselves. And they're now camped in front of the Red Sea. And as he draws closer, Pharaoh realizes he's trapped them. There's the sea in front of them. It's too big to go around. It's too far to swim across. There are no boats to sail. The desert's all around them, and the Egyptians are behind them. And he turns to his assistant, and he says, Who's the idiot now? Ha, Moses, and that God he serves. And now Pharaoh's not the only one who's realized what's happened. The Israelites, as they see the dust, as they hear the horses, realize they're the ones trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea. And while Pharaoh's mind is full of desert destruction, all the Israelites can think about is slaughter in the sands because they're facing certain death. Any survivors will return to slavery. They are a sitting duck. And so they do the only thing left to do. Panic. We're going to die, they shriek. We should have stayed in Egypt. There is nothing we can do. Well, one right answer out of three years in bad going, there was nothing they could do. But there was something God could do. Both the Israelites and the Egyptians have forgotten about God. God had led his people to this exact spot. And God had changed Pharaoh's mind so that he pursued them. And so Moses stands up and says, don't be afraid. God knows you can't do anything. He will do it for you. Trust him and watch. But there's no way out, they scream at him. God will make a way to freedom, Moses says. And then God sends a strong east wind that blows all night. And it blows the water on the big sea. It blows it to the left. It blows it to the right into two towering walls of water. And there, right through the middle, is dry ground. The dry ground opens up and God's people begin their long walk to freedom. Where there was no way, God made a way. And he delivered his people. And he did it through Moses. Because the people panicked. God spoke to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? He says that because Moses represents the people to God. But then God acted through Moses. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back. And he led the people through on dry ground to new life on the other side. 
If you want to enjoy God's freedom, you need to experience God's deliverance. These were real events, but they were also a dry run, a pattern of how God frees his people, and a pointer to the ultimate salvation, the greater salvation in Jesus Christ. Because in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, what has happened here was like a baptism. The people were baptized into Moses. They were joined to him. So that as he moved from death to life, from tyranny to freedom, they moved with him. And Christians are Red Sea people too. We've been baptized into a greater Moses, into Jesus Christ. He died and was buried and rose again to new life. And we are joined to him so that we too died with him to our old master. Our old way of life was buried with him. And we have been raised to new life with him and new freedom as followers of Jesus. To enjoy God's freedom, you must experience God's deliverance. This is how Jesus described it. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed from death to life. It's a decisive act of God. We can't free ourselves. We're trapped no matter how hard we try, no matter which way we look, there's no way out unless God makes a way to freedom and he has done that through Jesus Christ. So experience God's deliverance and then see God's victory. We've called this sermon series or this particular sermon, The Great Escape. But it's more than that. It's the defeat of God's enemies. Because Pharaoh didn't give up. The empire strikes back. And Moses told the Israelites, verse 13, Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Two groups went into the sea. But as the Egyptians follow, it all starts to go wrong. The wheels come off their military campaign, literally. They experience a sinking feeling, literally. As God brings the walls of water crashing back down all over them and swallows all of them up. Pharaoh's power over the Israelites has been broken. They are now beyond his reach. The battle between God and Pharaoh has been won. God has won. Now, talking in those kind of terms may make some of you feel uncomfortable. Like, isn't this typical of the Old Testament God? Judging, condemning, and punishing his opponents. And yet, this isn't the only time it appears in the Bible. Jesus himself spoke of events like this. Like, imagine if the moral guardian of the universe was indifferent to justice, or he was passionate but powerless. Pharaoh was a tyrant. 
whose slavery of the Israelites involved him drowning babies in the Nile. Shouldn't God repay people according to what they've done? He's a God of justice who will punish wrong and destroy evil. And his defeat of Pharaoh saved Israel. At the Passover, they were saved from God's judgment by the blood of the Lamb. Here they're saved through God's judgment. God's victory won their freedom. As I've said, these events are a pattern and a pointer to the ultimate salvation we enjoy in Jesus. And there are implications in this story for tackling political and economic and social injustice. But the New Testament says that our ultimate enemies are death and sin, the grave that swallows up every human being, and the fear of it that holds every one of us captive. And sin, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And sin isn't just doing wrong things or breaking the rules. It's putting anything or anyone first in your life ahead of God and serving it. It could be your career, your family, your reputation, your comfort. It could be academic success or romantic love or belonging and acceptance and power and control. Whatever and whoever you believe will satisfy your deepest longings, whatever and whoever you believe will save you, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it will be a pharaoh in your life. It will be your master and you will be its slave. And you may think you have it under control, but Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And yet, see God's victory. As Moses stretched out his hands, the waters of God's judgment flowed over the Egyptians. But as Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross, the waters of God's judgment flowed over him. He took the punishment for our sins. God's justice was satisfied. And so God raised him to new life. And by his resurrection, he has defeated the power of sin. And he has conquered the tyranny of death. His victory wins our freedom. Sin is no longer our master. We belong to Jesus. And the grave is no longer our final destination. Because connected to Jesus, we have and we will rise to new life in him. We don't have to fear it any longer. And one day when Jesus returns, the sin and death we see today, we will never see again. Because as Paul says, death will be swallowed up in victory. To enjoy God's freedom... You need to experience God's deliverance. You need to see God's victory. And thirdly, sing 
God's song. As all the sound and fury of the Red Sea calmed down, the Israelites didn't stand there taking selfies of themselves. They sang. Chapter 15, verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. After such dramatic events, like no doubt emotions were released. And there was joy. Like we see that today when sports teams serenade their team. Or pride. You know, as people sing their national anthems, songs that have often been birthed out of a country's independence. Or defiance. At my wife's, Lizzie's, former school in Johannesburg, on the evening before the rugby match against the next, the next school over, a school that had been set up years ago to try and put her school out of business, the boys would go over the night before and they would stand in front of the school and they would sing and tell them, we're here, we're still here, and we're coming for you tomorrow. But as the Israelites sing, they're not singing, we are the champions, but God is the champion. They rehearse what's happened, but it's clear who the real hero, the only hero is. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. And this song wasn't just for the moment. It went on the Spotify playlist for the journey. So that as they traveled, they reminded themselves of who their God was, what he had done, and who they now were. They were Red Sea people, God's people, freed people to serve him. Because people, we love stories. We put ourselves into the story, we identify with the characters, and we love songs. They engage every part of us. The words feed our minds. The tunes stir our emotions. The music gets us moving. These guys had tambourines and dancing. I know for some of you, tapping your foot is all you can manage. But they delighted in God's victory. They sang God's song. Can you sing this song? I don't mean all of Exodus 15, but verse 2, he has become my salvation, he is my God, and I will praise him. People who sing this song recognize their slavery, that they're not as free as they think they are. They admit they can't free themselves, and so they trust in Jesus Christ for their deliverance. Can you sing this song? You can today because Jesus Christ delivers, has defeated death and sin. He can deliver you from death to life, from slavery and tyranny to service and freedom. Here at St. Debs, we would love to help you make God's song the song you sing.
But let me ask some of you this morning, are you still singing God's song? Maybe you're here and you're a bit stuck. Like you're not an Egyptian, but you know the story in your head, but in your life, sin still seems to control you. It seems such a powerful foe that it pursues you and you feel it's inevitable that it will catch you and you'll return to serving it. You go back to that website and old habits aren't broken. You still panic rather than pray. You can't forgive and you're still resentful. Your talents are your master, not your servant. Maybe this is something you felt recently. Maybe you felt this for years. Sing God's song. We have freedom songs that help us to take hold of the freedom that God has given us in Jesus Christ. When you feel the reach of Pharaoh, praise God for his deliverance and victory. As we sing to him, we're reminding ourselves and we're reminding each other that we're Red Sea people, that we're not in Egypt, that we're not slaves to sin and death, that God has broken their power over us. We're not going back to Egypt. We are going forward to God's destination for us. And singing God's song can help us to live as the freed people we truly are in Jesus Christ can help us to live for him this week. Let's take a moment to reflect on God's word, perhaps to praise him for his deliverance, for his victory, to take on board the song we can sing through the Lord Jesus. Then I'll lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that death and sin, Pharaoh, slavery, is not the last word. Thank you for the freedom that is ours in the Lord Jesus. So please help us this week to remember who we truly are, Red Sea people. Help us to sing your praises. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.